Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. Anyway, everybody, hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. And today I'm here with Tim Harris. And uh, Tim has been in the real estate business, I think, for over 25 years now. I'm going to let him correct me here in a minute because I know he's going to have some updates here. Um, But he was a top producer, he and his wife, Julie, and for many years. And I believe it was around 98 that you guys got into real estate coaching. Pretty much by accident. Yep. Yeah. And I know you guys have been named by Inman as what I think it was the best coaches in the industry. So congratulations. That's pretty cool. I don't think technically that was right, but it was something close to that. But actually something happened the other day, which was equally as cool. Um, What was it? Uh, Motley Fool came out with a list of top real estate podcasts for in every sector, like commercial, da 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 da, and we were named number two, only beat by um, National Association of Builders podcast. So that was kind of fun. Okay, so and I was just about to say, and you have your own podcast. So yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know that, after listening to Tim today, you're probably going to want to jump into his podcast as well. Or they so, won't. Tim, what's that? Or they won't. There's no guarantee. So, yeah, possibly. So anyway, Tim, thanks for being here with us today. What is the name of your podcast, just so everyone knows? Real Estate Coaching Radio. Okay, great. And what do you want to add to uh, to that intro? What What are some key things that we should know? Uh, I, maybe I should let everyone know you actually live in Puerto Rico. So that's, that's also a cool fact. Yes, and this is not a background. Maybe it is. <laughs> or maybe a thrill. <laughs> well, so this is, a, this is available in Barnes & Noble. It has almost four, uh, 400 five-star reviews. Um, and it's also available, because you can't go to Barnes & Noble, on Amazon. Um, and so this is a book that we released last June. So definitely grab hold of this book. It's the perfect, it's the perfect quarantine reading when you're done so, with that. So for those of you who are listening and not watching, that book is Harris Rules. Uh, so go pick that up. Tim, what is, what is that book about? Well, it's essentially Julie and I's philosophy of real estate. Essentially, it's a, it's a business, it's, it's our scaling of a complete business model. The goal of that book, and it was actually the second version of the book. The first version of the book didn't have enough drill down information. And so we went back and we redid it. And I don't know if you've ever written a book before, but it really sucks. Um, all the revisions and trying to make it right. But this book essentially is designed so anybody can pick it up and have a very clear blueprint or roadmap on how to build the real estate business. Okay, exciting. Great. Well, uh, most of our listeners are in the real estate world as well, mostly top team owners or brokers. So uh, it's great, great to know. Thanks for sharing that with us as well. So um, tell us, Tim, how did you get started in coaching? How did you get started in real estate coaching? Julie and I were Howard Brenton stars. Uh, Howard made a stars in either 97 or 98. And for those of you guys who don't know, in his day, Howard Britton, who's now passed away, um, he was, I think, probably the most influential person in real estate. You know, and to be a Howard Britton star means that he sort of plucked you out of obscurity and sort of put you on a national uh, stage. And he'd heard about, you know, in our earlier 20s, we'd sold 100 houses our first year, and then we went off to sell 100 to 200 houses a year for about 10 years after that. So he made us a star. So we're we're. We're at this big convention, Star Star Power Retreat. I don't even remember where it was. And we were in the back of the room, and Howard was up on stage, and there was like 2,500 people, maybe 3,500 people in the audience. Howard always drew the biggest of crowds. Most enthusiastic, you know, people loved him. And so he started, he did his, you know, normal cat and monkey show. And at the end of it, he said, I'm starting, you know, Howard had this great voice. I'm starting, you know, my coaching programs. All of you have asked me about it. And, you know, it wasn't even a formal pitch. It was just something, it was like an afterthought. It felt like an afterthought. And then he said, for those of you who are interested in having me or, you know, Amy Stare and some other people who've been certified as coaches, you know, if you guys are interested in having us uh, coach you, come up on break and put your business card on stage. And so we're in the back of the room 
And we saw like half of the room just mob the stage and we're like flinging cards up on stage. And um, Julie and I are like, what the heck is happening? It was literally the start of a, uh, and essentially a, a movement really in real estate right there at that very moment. So during that same break, we had people that were coming up to us and asking us if we would coach them. Well, we'd done things called shadowing before where you'd have somebody fly in and they'd spend the day with you and you know, that kind of thing, but never coaching. We had no formal coaching background or experience. And um, you know, but Howard, you know, we saw the business opportunity and we started saying yes. And lo and behold, you know, a month later we had, you know, maybe 30 coaching clients and we didn't know what to do or we had to figure it out. And so Julie and I being the, um, the people that appreciate a challenge, <laughs> learn how to do it. We, we, Certain, you know, took classes, we read books, we just, but really what made us good at it was just doing literally thousands and thousands of one-on-one -on calls. Now that was, you know, back in 98, fast forward, Julie and I think that we've each individually done over 100,000, easily 100,000 individual one-on-one -on -one calls. So hopefully in that intervening, you know, 10 plus, well now 20 plus years, we've gotten relatively good at it. But that's, that's essentially what, that's where our book was, uh, formed from all those coaching calls. Like it's one thing to know how to do something at a high level. It's another thing to know how to teach other people to do it at a high level. And that's what all these years of, um, you know, coaching has taught us how to do is teach other people how to succeed at a high level in real estate. We don't profess to be expert outside of our own little, you know, myopic wheelhouse of real estate. But if you're a real estate agent or if you're a broker, chances are we're going to be able to help you guys do things at a higher level. And our focus, you know, our, one of our core beliefs is product or is profit is your product. And so every decision and everything we coach people to do is always driving back to that one mission. Is this going to make you profit? What's the profit margin versus just spending and spending and spending and hoping the profit falls, which it never does. But at break, to answer your question, people started coming up to us and asking if we coached them and to which we started saying, give me your business card and we'll figure it out. And we did. And like, for example, one of the people that gave me his business card, true stories, uh, Michael Gordon and his wife and him have been, you know, went on, this is back when they were essentially starting the real estate business, Michael and Robin Gordon. Um, they're, I think the top agents in mainline Philadelphia, which is, um, you know, they do typically 120 million, I think, or maybe 80 million, I don't remember per year. And they, um, you know, they were one of our first coaching clients. We helped them form their business and, and you know, they're, like I said, they're, they're going to be very successful. And we're blessed to have a lot of other clients like that as well. You know, when you have, when you've been doing it for a long as Julie and I have been doing it, you, uh, some of our long-term clients that become like family members. And it, that's kind of a difficult um, path to walk because as a coach, it's the uh, Captain Janeway from Star Trek quote, in case you're a geek <laughs> like me, is that, you know, because I'm your captain, I can't always be your friend. Well, you know, over time you become friends, but friends where there's a little bit of a buffer so that you can still coach them and do a good job holding them accountable and kind of calling them out on their BS when frankly nobody else in their lives will. Top producers, as I'm sure you know, Brian, are flooded with people that are giving them constant adulations, but nobody is willing to tell them the truth when they're off kilter or going in the wrong direction. That's what people hire us to do. Great. So what, what would you say is that there are so many people in coach, so many coaches in real estate, which I love because I think, uh, I mean, going around, I see those top team owners, uh, brokers, they all have coaches, right? And so what's the biggest thing that sets you apart in your, well, in your coaching I mean, business? So the, I would say the biggest thing that sets us apart is our experience. That's really it. I know it sounds like Mickey Mouse, but it's true. I don't know if there's anybody else. There, let's see. In the coaching space right now, individual coaches that have been doing it as long as we have with the intensity that we have with you know coaching agents in all different markets and all different market conditions, I don't think there's anybody. I really don't. I mean, there's some people that call themselves coaches that have never sold real estate before. Um, you know, I don't, I can't think of a single person that's been doing it at our level, but our intensity for as long as we have, um, it does. So there's no rules or restrictions that are preventing you from basically like we created this website a long time ago. Hopefully it still works. I think it does called comparecoach.com. It's to teach agents to go in and ask questions so they can make a, an educated decision who they're going to trust their business direction with, because a lot of agents, They'll just, I'm going to hire this coach because they're supposedly a coach that knows about this particular thing, but they don't know. They're not asking the business questions. They're not asking, okay, so if I hired this guy to learn how to do, you know, whatever it is that I'm supposedly wanting to learn. Why do I want to learn how to do that? What will it really deliver in terms of profit to my business? How much is this going to cost? How much, how long is it going to take? You know, like I said, we always go back to profit because 
selling real estate doesn't make you rich. It, it just doesn't. It, it may make give you a good, a good lifestyle, but it doesn't make you rich. It's what you do for the profits when you reinvest those profits that makes you rich. So if you have no profits from your real estate business, which frankly most agents and brokers don't, then you're never going to be rich. And the simple definition of rich is to you know unpoliticize it is it's where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money so our vision for all of our coaching clients is one day they wake up and they live in puerto rico and they don't have to work for their money anymore because their money's working for them you know they've gotten to a point where they don't have to have transactional based lifestyles anymore which is you know it's the old i think kind of bad joke there's no such thing as a well you know there's no right realtors don't retire there is no retirement for most you know real estate agents they just don't they you know, they fade, they pass away. Yeah. So that's okay. impressive. So um, one of the things we want to we want to definitely get into today. I know you guys have an ultimate agent survival guide for this COVID nineteen pandemic going on. We're going to get into that, but I before we get into your survival guide, I just have some questions. I know you guys posted some stuff on your website that um, talked about you know, how many borrowers, I think it was 3.4, 3.5 million borrowers now are in forbearance. So yeah. let's talk about that for a minute. What What's going on in real estate and what, what do you see happening in the future, but what's going on now first? Where are we today as a country? Thank you for reading our website and preparing, by the way, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Done, having done several of these per day, it's nice to have someone actually took the time. Um, well, so, you want to debate it or you want to discuss it? I, 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 just, want to, I, I just want to get your thoughts around it. What do you feel okay. is going on there? Okay, so we think, and, and I, can, I can give you the background behind why we think this way. It's not necessarily our opinions. It's the opinions of a lot of people that are a lot smarter than us. Um, and we're listening to what they're saying. So our opinion is, so this is May 1st. And between now and the end of the year, this is what we're going to experience. We're going to, as the different states start to essentially allow people out of quarantine, you're going to see all the pent up demand that should have happened up to this point of the year. It's going to flood the market for the buyers that are still able to buy. The mortgage companies have changed the criteria. There's been all kinds of overlays. And as you mentioned, Brian, you write about that on our main website, timandjoyharris.com. So they can go there and research that themselves. But the bottom line is, is buyers that were qualified 60 days ago, agents, make sure you get them requalified. So we do think that there's also, there's a lot of sellers that had to sell 60, 90 days ago and now they really have to sell. Then there's all the sellers that are gonna be entering the market because of the virus that are gonna to have to sell. And those are the ones that are gonna be, um, frankly, maybe months away from being distressed because the forbearance is what you've asked about. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is, is that there's going to be the old demand, the demand that was you know essentially put in quarantine now that's been pushed forward. And you're gonna have new demand that's only because of the, you know, the quarantines and the virus and unemployment that's going to essentially have to happen in the next three or four months. So in our opinion, what's going to happen is there is going to be something of a relief valve that's going to take place for, you know, some people have been saying a V-shaped recovery. Mm -hmm. We buy that to the extent that it's going to be a V and then it's going to dip back into something else. So it's going to be like, you know, a W. That's the, that's the prescription that Julian, I think, makes the most sense. So we are here in February. Okay, now we're, we're here, like unemployment and all these other things you mentioned. Right. Then we're going to go back up to here, and then we're going to go back down to here. That's what it looks like to us. So what we're preparing agents to do, or begging that they listen to us, is they make the most of, say, between May, June, July, August, September, and then probably by October, if not before, you're going to start seeing all that, um, that market demand is going to be out. People are going to be really freaked out about the return of the virus, which is going to happen in the fall. Uh, not me that's saying that. I'm certainly not a doom and gloomer. I certainly don't want it to happen, but it does seem like that's what's going to happen. And in between that, while unemployment now is at historical highs, you know, Great Depression levels and above, uh, and while the um, un, you know unemployment and while there's no either vaccine or therapy for the um, virus, you, all that insecurity and the uncertainty and the fear as long as that's in the market people aren't going to feel confident as long as they don't feel confident they're not going to be buying anything let alone real estate and as people come out of quarantine like here in puerto rico evidently we're going to be in quarantine to the end of may which we just found out about yesterday go us and so when we when everyone comes out of their little forced hibernations they're going to be discovering a world that looks completely different main street's not going to look like main street anymore like people are saying the government stimulus programs, all these government bailout programs, I'm thankful for them. 
but they're not going to say they're not going to actually have their intended consequences. All they're really doing is cooking, kicking the inevitable can down the road. Um, it, Restaurants are the overused example, but it really does make for a good example. If you're a restaurant owner and you got a PPP loan and you were able to borrow, say, $200,000, which basically turns into a grant that you don't have to repay, provide you 75% of it for payroll. We'll talk about that if you want to, but let's just say you do that. You take that money out and let's say you decide that you can pay, you can pay you know, yourself $100,000, you can pay your wife $100,000 work in said restaurant. But if there's no return of demand because people aren't going into your restaurant or the government mandates that your restaurant has all the you know, tables and chairs have to be pushed further out. And in other words, you're not able to create enough volume to make your business viable. If you have employees that don't want to return to work because they know the tip structure is not going to be there because there's not going to be enough demand and they want to stay unemployed. So what I'm saying is the viability of that business, the ability for that business to exist has evaporated and that's not going to come back until there's a vaccine, a therapy, and frankly, people feel more confident that they're not going to uh, lose their jobs. So in our opinion, that's basically it. And so what we're asking, again, begging agents to do is listen and essentially take absolute amazing action in the next four to five months, do as many transactions as they can, absolutely do as many of these bailout programs as they can, stack their money as high as they can, and they have to get ready for um, what's going to be so right now we're in this transition period in the economy, but on the other side of this, say late, uh, late this year, early fall, winter, then we're going to be entering into what's going to, like right now, we're in what is going to be called, mark my word, in a month, a depression, and then we're going to be hoping for a recession. Um, and then as we're through a recession, I mean, you're, you and I look like to be about the same age. You've lived through recessions before, so have I. And so during the recession, most recessions are, you know, they're relatively short, predictable. This one's going to be long-term because we have so much damage that we have to fix. All the, you know, here, Brian, here's a crazy statistic. I didn't know until Julie and I researched it for our podcast. Guess what percent, you'll probably get it right. You're, I can tell you're smart. Guess what percent of all, um, like all people in the country, all gainfully employed people, guess what percent of those people work for something that's termed a small business? Oh, that's a very high number. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a high number. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with. Uh, let's go with. Got to go with eighty percent. We'll go with the eighty twenty rule. It's almost a hundred percent. It's like ninety nine point four percent or something. So literally, everybody works for a small business. Now, people are saying, "Well, Tim, you're talking about small businesses that are service sector, so they're haircutters and they're all these things they talk about." But that's every aspect of business. Every single soul on planet earth, let alone our country, are going to be affected. White collar people are losing jobs. Anybody in any industry, it's just dominoes. It's one, like my brother-in-law, Mark, he works in Columbus, Ohio, and he, has, he works for a company that sells chemicals to restaurants. Well, that's probably not going to be doing very good. His wife is an accountant for um, Brookside Country Club. Well, I mean, how's that going to work out? Where people are going to be able to pay their country club dues. And if you start thinking about how all of us are so closely inter interwound in terms of how the economy works. It's yeah. one domino, then the other, and the other. So what, these, what all this government money has done, it's prevented the dominoes from falling as quickly, but they're still falling. And you're seeing that in the GDP. You're seeing that in the numbers that are coming out of the government every day. So as I say this, I know it sounds very negative. And I'm, all I'm doing is reporting the news. And I know real, I totally completely realize because I've been paying attention to what other people are saying. That everyone else is just blowing sunshine up agents' butts because, frankly, that's easier to, you know, you don't want to deal with the ramifications of making people scared. But here's our stance. I'd rather have our podcast listeners and our coaching clients be scared and take action than be complacent believing that this isn't going to get worse because the ones that take action, even though originally they're scared, they're the ones that are going to do great in the new market. Okay, so let, let's talk about this because one of the things you said that, caught me, caught my attention is you were talking about how the market is going to be flooded. So as an agent, it seems to me that it's a time to really focus on listings because there's going to be a lot of homes coming on the market, right? So if I'm an agent or if I'm a team owner or a broker owner who's actually working with my agents, what should I be focused on? Is it going to be like 08 when, you know, the banks are actually taking people's homes again and we need to start working with banks or, or what should we be focused on? 
That's a great question. I agree with the premise of your question 100%. Is that um, agents whose businesses are based on buyers are the ones that are going to suffer the most. And agents whose businesses are based on centers of influence of past clients are also going to suffer the most. But getting to the heart of your question, so yes, all your best energies have to be focused on becoming powerful listing agents. And two, the foreclosure uh, distress train is not leaving the station anytime soon. There is, uh, and so how do I know that? Um, the one opportunity that we do know is uh, bubbling up are doing BPOs. Now that's, you know, a different kind of work, but it's work that puts money in agents' pockets. But as far as like short sales and, and uh, foreclosures, eventually that's going to play out because that's what's going to happen. But it's not going to happen probably for, honestly, I don't think it might not, it might not even happen really in earnest until the middle of next year. And all my, so Julie and I back in the housing crash, we were the first uh, coaching company to start teaching agents how to do short sales and then how to do REOs. And when we, uh, all those old contacts we had, not just the people that were in the asset management side of things, but also the people in the FDIC, National, uh, National Association of Realtors, we've gone and we've asked them, because we've you know, stayed friends with many of them, what are you guys seeing? And they're saying, what I'm saying to you is what they're saying to me. As long as the forbearances are in place, as long as like you mentioned forbearances, Brian, it's important that we kind of put a period at the end of that sentence. Yeah. I, which by the way, ties to this survival guide. One of the, uh, point number uh, four in the survival guide is every single agent needs to be putting every single mortgage that they have into forbearance and they need to do it uh, a month ago. And the CARES Act specifically says that you can put your mortgage into forbearance if it's a government-backed mortgage, right, because they control what the servicers do, for 12 months. It does not cost you anything. There's no balloon payment at the end. There's no uh, hit to your credit. There's no application fee. There's no nothing. Now, I know there was some confusion in the first month where in spec there was mostly confusion about people that were passing around bad information. They could get one for 90 days and there was a balloon payment. What I just told you is yeah. the truth. Um, so, so you're saying that balloon payment that everybody heard, that is, is not end. correct. Well, so some of the, I do believe that some of the servicers were saying that to borrowers. But the truth is, is that, and we had coaching clients do this. They got uh, a copy of the actual CARES Act and one in particular then called Freddie Mac got an email from Freddie Mac stating what essentially what was supposed to be done, called her servicer back up and made her servicer give her 12 month forbearance. So, I mean, we've, you know, that's it. So that's what everyone has to be doing, but all your stuff in forbearance, if they give you any pushback whatsoever, I just told you, you guys already have the bottom line. Brian, do you mind if I tell them how they can get more information on that? No, not at all. Please do. Okay. Tell them to text, uh, text the word survival to 31996. Um, text the word survival to 31996. And what Julie and I did is we've taken all the information on all these things that we'll hopefully touch on and we put them behind that. It's a free coaching uh, product basically. And there's a daily free coaching call that goes along with it. So you guys can learn how to do all this stuff. And there's two benefits to this. One, you get to save your own bacon, but then you can use this to call all everyone you know, everyone your church, your synagogue, your mosque, all your neighbors, your friends, your family, everyone you know, and tell them to do the things that they need to be doing now to prepare for what might be one of the worst economic crises of our lifetimes. It's going to come probably leading into 2021. Okay. So you've shared a few things from your survival guide, but let's jump in and start at step one so that we can make sure we catch this. Can we do that? Okay. Yeah, I know it's good. All right, so first of all, the stimulus, which all of them get without doing anything, but on that, um, in that, you know, they text the word uh, survival to 31996. We've included in there a stimulus payment tracker. So if you haven't received yours yet, the IRS just email or uh, wires it to you. But if you haven't received it, you should have by now. And effectively, uh, if you've earned less than $100,000, it's a handout for. Thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars. Julie has all this stuff memorized better than I do, but so there's that. That's easy. Nothing really for you to do. The next one is the SBA pay, uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Now this one is like the forbearances, Brian, where it's very confusing, but it's also pretty wonderful. So here's the bottom line, and I'll just give you the bottom line, and, and then if you have any questions about what you read or heard, we can hash through them. Okay. So if you're a 1099, self-employed, or you're a W-2, you still qualify. So you do not have to work for a company. And effectively, what they do is you, you, you fill out and we give you a list of the banks that are doing it the quickest and you know, give you all the forms and tell you how to do it. Um, go to PayPal, by the way. PayPal seems to be getting SBA PPP loans done the quickest as of about two weeks ago. And you don't even have to have an account with them, which is crazy. So they're gonna ask you, it's, it's two pages. 
They're going to ask you if you filled out your 2018 tax return, yes or no, yes. They don't ask you to turn it in. They're going to ask you what your average monthly income was, either 1099 or W-2, and they tell you how to go and figure it out. W-2 is easier, obviously, than 1099. Then they take that number and they multiply it by two and a half, and then they give you that loan. And if you use said loan, 75% of the loan, for your payroll, even if it's your payroll, then it turns into a grant and you don't have to pay it back. Uh, the form, you have to file a form uh, saying that you use 75% of your payroll and it's on that, you know, text the word survival 31996, the form is there. So they then get that form, you turn it in and then the loan you got was turns into a grant. So putting this into real numbers, let's say you're a successful real estate agent and you're, in, uh, you know, you're uh, W-2, you work for your corporation, you're your only employee. By the way, if you have if you had employees working for you, like say, you know, you work with a lot of teams and we work as well. And so if you had like, you know, two paid, you know, W-2 staffers, let's say, you can apply for PPP to cover your own payroll and their payroll. So let's say you paid yourself $10,000 a month between the two of them, you paid them $10,000 a month. So that's $20,000, right? You can apply and you'll be given a, it's not dependent on your credit. It's not dependent on your anything. You had to have been, this operation had to be in business uh, prior to February 15th. They give you, they'll give you a loan using my example for two and a half times $20,000. That's the way it works. And if you use 75% of it for payroll, then you will not have to pay it back. after you. Well, what, that what if you use 70% for payroll? I don't know. I don't even know how they check, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I know that they do, they're, they're giving you the, like the 25%, you're supposed to be allowed to use it for, um, you know, rent and mortgage payments and things like that. So you're allowed to do that. So that's, so the PPP money has been a big, it's become a political hot button, but it really shouldn't be. Um, so they, the first round of it was 349 billion. And then they came out with, I think it was 300 or 309 billion. And they've already said they're going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. But the main thing is, is you have to apply, here's some hacks for you, right? You have to apply to three different lenders and you won't get three different PPPs. The first lender that essentially grabs it and then assigns it an SBA number, I'm not too, giving you these terms, right? I'm just trying to pass along the concept. Then the other applications are canceled. But like if you apply at Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo said, you know, though they've changed it now, but they said, we're not taking any more applications. Whereas a small local bank will take applications. So you've got to apply at three different lenders. We're definitely suggesting that you have uh, PayPal be one of them. And then I had probably today, I don't know, 15 people comment on various things I've done that they already got their PPP loans. So there it is. That's the first one. Now the next okay. one, if you want to stay on track, do you have any questions about that, Brian? No, that's it. Let's keep going. Okay, not an accountant, not an attorney. There's my disclaimer, okay? We're just, we're just goofy real estate coaches. I've had to learn this in 60 days. Uh, all right, so the next one. Now, this one is very weird to talk about. Oh, we forgot to talk about the takings clause. You really like that. We'll talk about that in a second. All right, so the next one is unemployment. You don't have to be employed as a W-2. You can be a 1099, a gig worker, driving, you know, for an Uber, whatever, a real estate agent, and you can get unemployment now. And the way it works, again, encapsulating all of it, is there's a list, I think it was of 20 things that you could uh, – like, for example, you are afraid, remember I was using the waiters, waitresses going back, the servers going back to the restaurant. So they could say, I'm fearful of getting the coronavirus. And that very fear will make it so that they qualify for unemployment. My daughter is home. She's not going to school. We love it. But I mean, so just the very fact that Zoe's home and that we're having to take care of her means that we would qualify for unemployment. So the criteria for qualifying for, you can even quit your job, Brian, and qualify for unemployment. You can be 1099 and qualify for unemployment. I have back in Texas, one of the guys that works on um, some of our rental properties, I was telling him about this. And I was telling Greg, this is what you have to do. This is how you have to do it. And he's doing it all. So the unemployment, this is the thing that's interesting. Unemployment, the state unemployment benefits have a rider on top of them as part of the CARES Act. And so the least amount of money that most people will make on unemployment is about $740 a week. And some people will qualify for $1,000 a week. Agents, realtors, brokers. So you guys could right now be setting yourselves up to get between $3,000 and $4,000 a month. Think about that. Lifeline, told you. Uh, but you have to apply. You have to go through it. Now, from what I understand, some of the states 
are like, you know, hold on, these are, you know, we're, we're, they're having to conform. They're trying to figure it out. And so in some states are really slow to adapt all this, but the Federal CARES Act puts $600 on top of whatever you would normally be qualified for as a, a, for unemployment had you been in W-2. Remember, normal unemployment would never apply to people like you and me, Brian. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. You know, it only applies to people laid off, people who are, I mean, all the traditional reasons why someone would get unemployment. Now, it's for 1099 workers. So this is something that's never happened before, which mentally and emotionally as a, you know, I can't put it together in my mind, but there it is. Yeah, okay. All right, next I'll bet, one. I'll bet, most, I'll bet most realtors have not thought of that one, so. Yeah, well, NAR, by the way, National Association of Realtors, between the PPP loan and the thing I just told you about, their, their lobbyists, their chief lobbyists, are, they, she essentially was aggressively lobbying for agents to be able to take advantage of all these programs. Uh, and again, the urgency of this is that you have to do this now with the expectation that the you know, third and fourth quarter of this year might be a little bit scary. Now, do I hope I'm right about that? No, I do not. Do I hope that things return back? Yes, I do. Do I miss two months ago? Absolutely, I do. But in the meantime, we have to be hoping for the best but preparing for the worst. And what it seems like our industry is really good at is doing the hoping but not doing the preparing. So we've taken it upon ourselves, and you have too, Brian, that's the reason you're having me on your show, to help people prepare for the worst. Now, can I, can I we take a, a, a slight turn to the left or the right and yeah. talk about, okay, so when I, I'll, I'll be honest, when Julie and I were starting to gather all this information two months ago, um, it was actually around Julie's birth that she turned uh, 39 plus 10 on uh, March the 12th, and the coronavirus hit the United States on March 11th, and we started hearing rumblings from uh, specifically from people that we knew that worked in the government back from our distressed real estate days, specifically the FDIC. We started hearing about these different programs that were being rumored to come out and our friends were sort of telling us da 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 da. We didn't believe any of it because we thought it was just too far reaching. How could they possibly be doing all this? This is gonna be an unprecedented historical amount of just incredible amount of money being printed. We didn't even concept, we couldn't even intellectualize it. So um, it happened. Now. Here's the difference. There's a lot of agents, and I had this issue too, and there are a lot of people, when we first started talking about this about 45 days ago, that thought what we were telling agents to do was effectively wrong. Some people were saying it was immoral. And I did too, to an extent, because the way I was raised is you don't take a handout unless you need it. And what we were telling agents to do is you don't know whether you'll need it or not, so take it. And, and then I heard somebody make, actually somebody who lives here in Puerto Rico, somebody make an attorney who told me, Tim, you're completely wrong. This is not about morals. This is about the Fifth Amendment and the Constitution, the takings clause. And then he, he told me about it. And then I went home and researched it. So did Julie. So if you read the Constitution, the Fifth Amendment takings clause, it's the same clause that covers eminent domain. And the way I've, we've been explaining it seems to make it past people's natural resistance to, you know, even you know, accepting what we're saying to be the thing to do, was if you were a farmer and you had a soybean field and the government came around, they said they want to build a freeway or a railroad through your said soybean field, thus you are losing the ability to make money from said soybean field, they would have to compensate you for the land and, the, and not only the value of the land, but the loss of your business income. That's how it works. This is the same exact thing. The government came around and said, you, 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 all of yes, you're all out of business. You're not, you're not allowed to leave your houses. You're not allowed to open your business. You're not allowed to make money. You're not allowed to, you are taking away from you that soybean field and your ability to actually earn money. So the government was legally obligated to compensate all of America for taking their ability to earn money. And that was this attorney's opinion, why ultimately the government was so uh, aggressive and essentially creating all these programs. This is how it's different than 070809 because 070809 that was a lot of people that maybe got ahead of their skis and were, you know, whatever. You can, that may have been more of a moral argument, right? But now, not the same thing. This is completely different in the history of history, not just of the United States, where something like this has happened. So that's the reason every single small business owner, every single real estate agent should be, um, I mean, taking advantage of these programs. If for no other reason, you have to take care of yourself and your family because there's a really good chance that whatever's coming 
after this real this uptick in real estate home sales, whatever's coming next, as long as there's no cure or you know a vaccine or a therapy. By the way, I hate it when they say therapy. Saying therapy is like them saying, well, yeah, maybe we'll create a vaccine, maybe we won't, but we're going to create a therapy, right? But unless there's something that's viable, unless the unemployment rate is no longer as high as it is, there's going to be more massive economic destruction in the U.S. and, by the way, the global economy. So prepare yourself. But again, third time I've said this, the greatest do not fear the changing economy. Do not fear the changing housing market. Do not fear who's president. Do not fear what the interest rates are. Do not fear any of that. Because no matter what the economy does, no matter what housing does, no matter what happens, period, there'll always be real estate transactions. Back in the height of the recession, there were 4 million real estate transactions, which means there were 8 million sides that happened, right? Two sides for every transaction. That was in comparison to say the market where it was booming, where there was five and a half or 5.3 million transactions per year. So there was not that much of a drop off. Now people are saying there's gonna be a 40% drop off while we work through this. Well, that's fine. That's still millions and millions of transactions that have to happen and trillions and trillions, worth trillions and trillions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars of real estate commissions to be made. You just have to decide, like Brian was saying, become a listing agent. Because if you're not gonna focus all your best energies on being a listing agent, this, you're going to needlessly suffer, and so are all your, the people that you're you know, morally obligated to take care of, your friends, your family, your loved ones. So, Tim, one of the things I've seen on that front, uh, <clears throat> a lot of our tools are around team owners or brokers being able to hold their people accountable remotely and manage them remotely with leaderboards and sales challenges and all these types of things. Well, I've seen a lot of agents that I personally know just – relax and you know a lot of people have taken two months off at this point for sure but I, at the same time i've seen a lot of our teams who are focused more than they've ever been that have actually had two of their best months they've ever had and so i mean i i just want to point out the opportunity is still there right it's not gone even if listings are way now. down yeah. Well, you're, you're working with skilled people, like some of our best coaching clients. You're working with people like, so there's normally a lot of noise in the channel and now there's no noise, right? We, right. We, Julie, we have this daily semi-private coaching call and hundreds of agents are on it, you know? And um, so we're, all the questions are about like, how do I, you know, the normal things you would expect, but for the first time, some of these agents are finally starting to do the proactive work, the real work of real estate. And they're, they're working on the expires. They're working on the notice defaults. They're working on the for sale by owners. They're picking up the phone and they're calling the most motivated sellers. And they're like, why wasn't I doing this before? This is, <laughs> you know, this is not that hard. And I can pick up the phone and make one contact with someone who has to sell their house versus all this other stuff I was doing, which maybe someday led to a transaction. I can actually be proactive and do something today that's going to put money in my pocket, you know, 30, 60, 90 days from now. Someone that's who has to sell, right? I mean, exactly. they've had their home on the market. They're committed. Right? I mean, if you were, if you were like, I had this, somebody asked me this question yesterday, Tim, if you had to go back and sell real estate, what would you do? Like expecting me to say something different than we say every day on our podcast, right? I would pick up the phone and I would definitely call expired listings. It is a gold mine right now because all the agents that most of the, like the thing, the past market was basically who you knew, right? It was social, social networking. It was centers of influence of past clients. This new market is about what you know. So it's becoming a skills-based market. So all these agents who were making, uh, doing transactions based on their ability to social, or to essentially have centers of influence and past clients, they're not the same agents, generally speaking, that are the top agents in the new market. Because it, now the best agent you can get is one that knows how to do this, you know, all that centers of influence and past client stuff, but also has the skills, the real sales skills to be proactive about their lead generation. When you get an agent that does both of those things, that's the best agent in, in the face of the planet. But most agents, they don't do both. And most agents, like 99%, will only do the passive stuff because it's easy, requires no skill, and there's virtually no rejection. Whereas in a time like this, where we're going from this old market to, you know, now we're in this sort of trough area, and we're gonna to go to this new market, this area here is all of 2020, probably the beginning of 2021. During this time, you better sure as heck learn how to be a powerful listing agent. And then over here, the agents that were the top agents here, generally speaking, are not the top agents on the other side of the market. We see, we've seen that happen continuously after every big housing disruption. Of course, this one eclipses all of them. Right. 
Okay, so back into the survival guide. I think we're on number four, which you mentioned uh, before we started in the survival guide is put everything in forbearance, I believe. Yes, yes, forbearance, and then you gain track. All right, so the next one is the uh, SIDL loan. Now we've heard different things about that, but that's the, that's the disaster relief fund uh, money. The SBA for a while had given all that money away, but evidently they uh, uh, reallocated that. Um, now, I don't have the latest information. I can only tell you what one of our coaches told me. So and I, the first part I know, the second part I'm not sure about, so I'll just tell you both. So when you're filling out the EIDL loan uh, it, through the SBA, so for this, you go right to the SBA, you fill it out, and then they ask you a question, do you need you know, $10,000 right now? Like, do you need a grant? Do you need this money right now? You know, they're taking application to give you a loan. They're asking you if you want cash right now. And you say yes, and then they wire you $10,000. Okay? So my, my experience on that has been different than that. Um, they changed it. But they're going back to that from what I was told. That was the second they part. They are. Okay, yeah. Because originally they, they said that was going to be the case. And then they said, oh, you can only get $1,000 for each of your employees. Right. Is, it, so, is it back oh, no. to where it's not that? Or is it still $1,000 for each employee? We're saying the exact same thing. When I was, again, I haven't confirmed this, Brian, because I've been on meetings all day. Okay. But what I was told was this last, it was like $454 billion, who knows, right, of money that that was going to replenish that particular program that was going to put it back to 10000 And here's the third part, and again, I haven't confirmed this, that there's going to be another 15000 that's going to be offered to you like 60 days after the 10, and if you wanted that too as a, a grant, basically. Okay, so um, yeah, that's that's something that I'm not sure. It sounds like you're not sure. Is that only right. per? Is that only per employee? So yeah, go to the SBA and read where the website is. That's one of those things that was changing, right? So the criteria for that, as Brian just said correctly, changed, and I was told it's changing back. Who knows? Okay. Last, uh, another th another thing yeah. to point out on that one is if you have taken the PPP, my understanding is you cannot take that because you if can. you did, if you, you did can. take. You can. I'm positive of that. You can because take I was told them. that if you took that and then got the PPP, that you were repaying that with your PPP money. No, that's not true. You can not get true. all of them. You, know, okay. you, can get, you can get the stimulus, you can get the PPP, you can get the unemployment, the mortgage forbearance, the EIDL loan, and you can get the last one, which frankly I don't think is really relevant to most anyone else other than big real estate brokers, which is the Main Street lending thing. They're still working this out. Um, but the gist of that is the loans. I, again, I don't, if Julie were here, she's got all this memorized better than I do. Let me see if I have a cheat sheet or anywhere. No, oh, no, I'm not even familiar with this one. What, what is this one? I have a cheat sheet. She left one for me. Okay, let me see if it's on here. So is this number six? This is after the EIDL. There's something just for real estate? No, just it's the Main Street lending thing. No, it's not on here. Um, let me look at this, though. Okay, so... The way the Main Street lending one works, it's the um, it's a certain percent of your revenue. I think, if I remember correctly, it's five times your uh, EBITDA uh, revenue. I'm pretty sure that's true. And then, but that oh, by the way, PPP is a non-recourse loan, right? Right. So that's something that I mean, non-recourse means, guys, that it's not secured. Period. It's not secure. You don't, you're not personally liable for it. Now, the uh, Main Street Lending Program, they announced this like a month and a half ago, but they're still working it out because it's going to be a massive program. I think the minimum loan that they'll do, Brian, is a million dollars. And the most, if I remember correctly, it was just, it was like 150 million or something. And it, <clears throat> I think the baseline is five times, like I said, your EBITDA. Um, now, if I remember correctly, that was that loan is a um, secured loan, but I don't remember the, the criteria. In the last go around I read, the interest rate was going to be less than four percent, but the terms of payback was only like four years. But all this stuff is still debating, and they actually haven't, as of this morning, I, I have it on Google Alerts. They haven't actually rolled out what the final format of that will be. Matter of fact, interestingly enough, the last thing I read was the SBA, um, and I think the FDIC went to the banks and said. How can we get these loans out to people faster, more streamlined? So they're wanting to put the money, they're wanting to inject the money, helicopter money basically is what we're doing here. They want to put it into the economy faster. And these Main Street programs are going to be, um, you know, something huge. Now, you did say something, I think you might be right about this, that um, I think if you get a Main Street program loan, 
that they want you to pay your PPP back or it's one or the other. I think that's true, but I don't think that's actually written. I don't think that's actually the rule yet or the law yet. But I, I think you might be right about that. Now I'm thinking about it, I remember hearing something like that. Okay, so to be, it sounds like to be a part of this Main Street lending, you actually need to be, if we're talking EBITDA, you need to be a profitable business. Yeah, pretty much. That's a, that's a large company, right? Yeah. So, okay. All right. That, one, I, that one's not really, like most of your audience and my audience, that's not really something that's going to be directly relevant, but you might have some small business owners that are listening that, you know, we just told them something that's going to save their business, you know? So I feel good about that. But all the others, there will be something that every agent and broker should be taking advantage of for sure. Okay, Tim, thank you. Is that, I mean, is that the survival guide? Is there anything else that we're missing? Well, it's three parts, but I mean, this is the first part. There's three parts called personal, then it's called protect, and then it's called profit. And the protect phase is basically um, after you've done the, pro or the personal phase. The personal phase is basically putting your own mask on first. It's getting all these financial things squared away. It's getting your money right with regards to your budget. Um, you know, all those types of things. And, the, and the, I'll tell you, and then after that, then it's teaching you how to go about actually learning the skills necessary and what you need to do to survive in this new market. And there's so many different intricacies. Like, you know, you walk into the, a seller's house in the old market, what do you really have to do? It's more of a beauty contest and who's going to get the seller more marketing and all the rest of it. In this new market, you're going to have to know how to solve seller's problems. And they're going to have complex problems, a lot of these guys, a lot of the sellers. But the real takeaway should be that every single agent listening can thrive in the new market. They just have to let go of the idea that there's going to be a return to normal. I'm glad to see that that's kind of leaving the zeitgeist and people stop, you know, they're not saying I want it to return to normal anymore. They're sort of emotionally accepting almost like the phases of grief. They're going to the acceptance phase, right? That it's not going to return to normal. Um, and so, so I was going to ask you, what, what is the new normal? I mean, there is there one? We don't, we don't know. Right. But things have changed. The way real estate works has changed. People do buyer consultant, consultant meetings, just like we are on zoom today. People are doing virtual showings. People are doing the, the world has changed and some people are still doing it the old way. And some people are doing it in the new way. It just depends on someone's comfort level. But I think, you know, we need to be prepared. Things have changed, right? So, in mostly good ways. I mean, your business is virtual. My business is virtual. There's some businesses that will flourish at higher levels because of this. Um, you know, EXP Realty comes to mind. There's businesses out there that are going to just absolutely do incredibly well. They were before, but now because of this, well, you just said something very interesting. I wonder if you're going to lose business as a practitioner because you are you have an inability to do like a Zoom meeting to have a sale, essentially a sales presentation with a seller because you're not willing or, or comfortable doing it. Probably yeah. will. Are you showing that you're that you're changing? For instance, every in my wife's business, which she has a team of 20 agents and a brokerage now, um, but in her business, every single time a new listing gets taken, they're actually taking a sink that people are washing their hands at the front door before they go into a house. Awesome. They're providing, providing gloves and shoe covers and all that stuff, right? I mean, the business is just different. Be proactive. Yeah, be pro I mean, but it goes, it, just, it goes beyond that too because we're gonna be dealing with a lot of messed up, scared, psychologically damaged. You know, there's gonna be a lot of that that's gonna come as a result of this. A lot of people that have been under more, they've almost gotten used to the stress level at this point but the unwinding of that is going to be something that's going to change. Like, I mean, Julie talked about this on our podcast today. We've got a little six-year-old little girl. And I wanted, um, there's a section of our beach here in Puerto Rico where we live where uh, it's not locked down. So we, but people social distance. They're being very respectful. She's got her, I see her little friends down there playing. And I said, Zoe, you want to go to the beach and you want to play with some of your friends? And my daughter, Zoe, is a straight-up extrovert, a billion times more than Julia and I. And um, she goes, no data. And she actually went like this, no data. You know, we're supposed to be, I can't play with them socially distanced. She's six. So she's already got it in her head uh, that, you know, there's, there's a virus. We're not supposed to be going near people that aren't our family. Well, that's kind of a fascinating little thing. Julie picked up on this. So at six, if she's learned that, how does that carry forward? That's not just something she's going to forget. She's always going to remember that. So the way that we interact on very base levels, handshaking and 
just things like that. It's going to change. I mean, what, you're going to be in some environments where you're going to offer your hand to somebody and they're not going to accept it. And that used to be seen as a slight, right? And nowadays, maybe the person offering the hand will be the one that have been seen as uh, inappropriate or impolite for not respecting that. You know, I mean, everything changes. Yep. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. It absolutely is. So I, I experienced that uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, some, pe some people are handshake, some people are elbow bump, and some people are, I'm going to stay away, right? So I know. It's uncomfortable. It is. I mean, it's totally weird. And, um, you know, it, it is weird. I like to hug people, you know, not everybody, but, you know, and that's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be strange. And, and what if you're in Puerto Rico? I mean, this is like, it's a Latin culture, right? So everyone does the two kisses thing. I'm telling you, there's Puerto Ricans around here that just might just blow up because they're so used to being so demonstrative with their affection for their friends, you know, yeah. but these are the things that are, it, but really, I mean, we can, we can guess sort of, you know, work around those things in our heads forever. I guess if I could have your your folks just take one thing away is let go of what you there's no normal. I mean, to answer your question, Brian, mm -hmm. the new normal is abnormal. I mean, people are going to be walking around with masks on. There's going to be lines around Costco. There, you know, your main street. Look, I've, another friend of ours here that owns a crap ton of subways. Well, he actually owns. It's hard to. It's like. Um, it's like a region holder of a bunch of real estate brokerages, basically, is what he does. Right. So those small business owners are basically going out of business. A lot of those, you know, small. And so if you think about restaurants, you think, oh, Shake Shack. Well, I don't know if Shake Shack's corporate owned or not. I don't think it is. But those are franchises that probably each of those are small business owners, entrepreneurs. How are they going to stay in business? How are they going to get the lights back on? And then you have the dry cleaner and you have the movie theaters, and then you have car dealers. I have a friend, again, here, who's got a bunch of car dealerships, mostly in the South. He told me in their luxury car, BMW and whatnot, they sold, like, no cars in March, like three. Uh, how does that work, you know? And, and then you just carry it forward. Look at the, look what oil did. I mean, you know, there's so many unintended consequences of shutting down the economy, and that bell does not unring. That bell's going bell's to stay wrong for longer than all of us would like. So you don't like what I'm saying. Some people don't like the dealing with it like that. And I don't like what I'm saying either. I like to be more of a, you know, everything's great. And, you know, here we are in Puerto Rico and there's my fake palm tree. But the reality of it is, is I'd much rather tell people what they don't want to hear when they don't want to hear it at the highest level that I can. So that six months, 12 months, 18 months from now, they didn't have to leave real estate. You know, they didn't have to suffer personally and financially. They didn't have to feel like failures for something they didn't do because you guys didn't fail. You're not making – the lack of your income right now isn't because of you. The lack of your income right now is because the government took your ability to earn money away. So you don't need to feel guilty about taking these programs. And I'd rather – personally, I'd rather, um, you know, feel uncomfortable sometimes delivering this information to people than I would – feel bad later for not having told something to somebody that I know could have helped them. So hopefully I helped your guys. So, so Tim, your message is go take advantage of what you can. The government has shut us down. It's not our fault. Go take advantage of it. This is their fifth amendment. Make it happen, right? Make sure that you take care of yourself first. Put that, put that mask, that airplane mask on your own face so that when Q3 and Q4 this year roll around, um, you're protected. And then the next steps are you've taken care of your personal self, now protect, and then third is profit. So if people want to learn more about the protect and profit side, how can they, how can they learn more about that from you guys? Because I know, I know you have more information to share. I know we're about out of time. So what's, what's the best way for people to, to jump in and learn more from you and how do they get a hold of you? Well, lucky for you, I don't have a lot to vamp on this. So uh, we're in the midst of writing it. I mean, basically, Julie and I have been spending all of our time writing the first part. So when you log into the website after you get your free membership, that coaching program, by texting the word survival to 31996, the first section is it's getting up. It's not like even – it's a somewhat organized, you know, guide, but the information is being updated constantly. The second portion really is what we've been coaching agents to do forever – the real work of real estate being a proactive lead generator. And the last part, uh, portion is what we're working on now. And that's where we're going to talk about profiting. And so the way you're going to profit in this new market is not the way you've profited before. The, the nature of holding real estate, the nature of being a landlord, the nature of a lot of the expectations we have about how we make market, build long-term wealth for ourselves, it's kind of going out the world, a window. I would very, one of our neighbors and our friends here is a guy named uh, uh, Peter Schiff. 
He has a great podcast. I listen to it every day. You guys should listen to it too. And there's a lot of other people. Here's another one. Uh, Ray Dalio. Um, go on to Google um, Ray Dalio, LinkedIn, uh, Changing World Order or something. I don't remember. But he's written these really great detailed historical perspectives on where, why we're where we are. And, he's, and it's free. You can just go and download it and read it. Not easy reading, trust me. Read, read it when you're having some coffee. Don't read it when you're having any wine. Uh, and then start listening to what all these people are saying. Because what all of them are saying is there's a big, huge event that happens like this every 50 to 75 years. And we're experiencing one of those now. And just to give you the punchline, they're essentially saying there's going to be a lot of inflation that's going to fall, followed by what some are saying, hyperinflation. When it happens, who knows? What that means to real estate is pretty clearly defined. And we can talk about that now or later. It's up to you. But before we get there, there are going to be opportunities to make money. But if you're on your back financially because you haven't done the personal section, if you're on your back financially because you haven't learned how to basically protect yourself and learn the new skills of real estate and, frankly, our economy, then you're not going to be able to profit. So that's the reason we put those sections in that order. Um, but what comes next and how you essentially build wealth and uh, you know, become wealthy in the future and how you hold wealth is going to change. Um, and it's really going to radically change in very meaningful ways. Now, all the, you know, the old rules, unfortunately, don't apply anymore. Like Julie and I bought dozens of rental properties and our vision was to one day have them all paid off. We have all of them at four paid off. Great us, right? Go Tim and Julie. Well, now it turns out that, guess what? This whole master plan we had, the tenants now don't have to pay rent because there's no eviction. So if they stop paying rent, and in May there's supposedly a national rent strike that people are organizing. The government says you can't evict in most states for 90 days. Um, you guys see how this is essentially changing the paradigm of owning real estate. And a lot of people have purchased real estate. You buy it from the depreciation, the appreciation of the cash flow, right? What if all of a sudden you don't have the appreciation anymore? What if that's no longer an entitlement? Then all you have is depreciation, all you have is cash flow. That really puts into flux a lot of the investment decisions a lot of people have made about buying rental properties. What happens to the whole VRBO market? What's happening now? By the way, that's a great lead source. Start calling up VRBOs and ask if they want to sell their houses. They're not renting them, and they're not going to rent them for a while. Those, those are motivated sellers. You guys get it? So all the things, all the, all the ways, most of everything that we've been doing to make money in real estate is going to – some will work being modified, but most, most won't work at all. You're going to have to completely add a new set of tools to your toolbox. So I think the key here, Tim, and you said it best, I mean, what you guys are trying to do is stay on top of this every day. You're reading, you're listening to podcasts. I'm doing the same thing. Um, I've listened to podcasts that talked about this all was stemmed from 5G hitting the planet. So it's, it's, there's a lot of interesting philosophies out there. Um, there's a Tony Rod. Tony Robbins podcast. I think everyone should listen to. Uh, he has two episodes about the coronavirus. The episode one really dives into, you know, the the truth about what's actually going on here. Just factual data about th that I think is is somewhat positive that, that can eliminate a lot of fears out of people's minds. So I think it's definitely something you should make sure you're educating yourself. Tim, I'm grateful that we had you on here today. You've given us a lot of great info. Just, just that last closing, it's like rental properties. It is something everybody's been in the, everyone in real estate is in the world of rental properties. Is, is that a good thing or a bad thing moving forward? I don't think we know today. Crazy, right? Well, yeah. how about this? Why, why have rental properties and why have rental, real estate, why is the stock market, why has that really gone up so much? Why has all that happened? You know, where is all this, demand for all this come from. It's come from easy money. It's come from, you know, the Fed essentially pumping trillions of dollars into the economy. And now they're doing it now at such a rate that it's never been, nothing like this has ever happened before. Um, and, and ever, ever. There's never been this much money pumped into an economy before. This does not end well. You, it's not even debatable. It's going to end with Something that no one can clearly find Ray and Peter and some of these other people that you can listen to. They all sort of have, they all sort of, you know, are on the same path and they take different paths as to what's going to happen at the end of this. Form your own opinion. Educate yourself. But I'll tell you what the punchline is. You've got to learn what's necessary in this new market. You've got to be financially prepared. And, and you've got to detach yourself from what, what you thought was normal. You know, I missed it too, but it ain't happening again. Let that go. 
and start accepting the fact that the new normal until the further notice is the is abnormal. The new normal is abnormal. Accept that and then you'll emotionally feel better because you won't be waiting around for something to happen that's never going to happen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up with that. Thank you, Tim. It's been a, it's been a great time. Uh, really enjoyed getting to know you better and uh, would love to spend some more time with you here in the near future. So yeah, thanks for being on the healthy. show today. Yeah, me too. God bless. Stay healthy. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.